Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Lauren Lucas and uh, that's it, that's it, that's my name, Uh, Lauren Lucas and uh, you might know Tim who was up here before, he's my husband and uh, we used to be the youth pastors here a number of years ago and uh, we've been in the States but now we're back and it is my joy and privilege to be able to come and share with you tonight and it's always good I think to you know get to know the speaker a little bit otherwise you're just sitting there going who is this random person up here and I could go in and tell you a little bit more about my life story but quite honestly it's a little bit boring so we're just going to cut to the chase and I'm just going to tell you five random facts about myself that if you knew me really well you would know these things about me so then we can just be like instant besties and then if anyone ever comes up and asks you do you know Lauren Lucas you can be like heck yes I do and uh, you can tell them these facts and they'll be like yeah you do Uh, I don't actually think anyone's going to ask you that question, but you know what, it's always good to be prepared, which is ironic because random fact number one about myself is that I like to be prepared. And you know what, it takes me a little bit of time to adjust my plans if our plans change. Just for instance, say I'm going to Garden City Shopping Mall and I, uh, I will actually in advance work out which shops I need to go to and in which order so that I don't have to backtrack. But if I jump in the car and you're with me and you start driving to Carindale instead of Garden City, I may actually cry because that's just a bit too much. Uh, too quickly. I do like to get a bit of notice uh, before plans change. And this may or not may or may not have happened before. Hey Tim, Tim's not here, but it may have happened. Uh, number two random fact is that I absolutely love peanut butter and chocolate together. And whoever like did this for the first time was genius and they do not get enough credit in day-to-day life. I think it is amazing. Third fact, I'm always a bit cautious to share this because you're either gonna love me or hate me after this, but I, I don't really like animals, like any animals. Uh, I, think, I think God is, awesome for creating them and I can appreciate them from afar but like I'm talking a long way away Uh, but if they come up and they're all in my face I'm like get away animals I don't like them Um, I really I really don't like animals birds oh don't like birds oh anyway but if you know I've got to win some people back now because some of you are like whoa Um, I do like humans though you guys are all good you guys could get closer Like, animals stay out there, but people get close. Uh, But if I had to, at a pinch, choose my favourite animals, there's two of them, be the dugong. How cool is the dugong? I mean, the word is cool, and then the dugong is also cool. Google a picture if you've forgotten what they look like. Not right now, uh, but later. And the wombat. Who who doesn't want a plate in their backside to, like, fend off all the, uh, the intruders? You guys have never thought about that, have you? It's pretty cool. Number four, random fact, my favourite colour 
And if you know me at all, you'll probably know this, is orange. I love the colour orange. But note to my mum, just in case she's listening to the podcast, it doesn't mean everything you buy me has to be orange. I have so much random orange stuff because my mum's like, it's orange, I'll buy it for her. I have like this stash of orange serviettes because she thinks, she also buys me serviettes a lot. I don't know why. I don't know if I spill a lot and that's... uh, what she's trying to do. Anyway, number five, last random fact, I'm sure you're glad it's the last one. I feel way more calm and at peace about my life and my day when the clothes in my wardrobe hang in their style and colour order, which is going to tell you a lot about my personality. And would you believe, would you believe that I have not actually had a wardrobe to hang my clothes in since May 13 of this year? which probably explains a lot. I'm like in this crazy state of uh, life. But anyway, that's not my, uh, it's not my therapy session tonight. Although it's feeling pretty good getting all this stuff out. I've got a very captive audience. But we'll move on to some more important stuff. Uh, the last three weeks you've been in this series called Life Hacks and you've been opening up God's Word and looking at the wisdom that this book brings to the different aspects of your life. And tonight I'm just going to start with a proverb to get us started and it's Proverbs 15 verse 1 and it says this, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I don't know about you, but I can recall countless occasions when I've been in a situation and instead of choosing a a gentle answer or a loving and kind word as my approach, I have chosen to use a word that has provoked. I've chosen to use a word that's maybe been passive aggressive or a word that's just been downright plain mean. And in turn, it has stirred up anger between myself and another person, and it's led to a conflict situation. And one of these times was just after Tim and I were married. And I think it was probably our first disagreement, our first kind of conflict situation, like since being married. We had many before getting married, and we've had many since getting married. But this was the first one after we had got married. And I had asked Tim to uh, wash the dishes one night after I had cooked dinner, because that's kind of how we roll in our relationship. If you cook, you don't clean up. And uh, if you clean up, you don't cook. But it doesn't go in that order usually. Unless, this is, Tim was away earlier in the week and I had to cook and clean up. It was so annoying. Um, but good on Tim for doing that. Anyway, I just lost my train of thought with that. Anyway, I got Tim to uh, wash up the dishes because I'd cooked dinner that night. And 20 minutes later, I come back into the kitchen to see how he's doing. And Tim is standing there at the sink washing up all of our dinner dishes in a very small, tiny pineapple tin. <laughs> I still have no idea what on earth he was doing and why he was doing it. But in that moment, I was not laughing. I was so enraged because this is not how you wash up dishes. I mean, what kind of person washes up dishes in a pineapple tin that firstly isn't being cleaned out? First, you just wash it up straight in a dirty pineapple tin. And there's two perfectly good sinks like sitting there that he could have used instead. But there he is washing up in a pineapple tin. And as I'm sure you can tell from the angst that I still have towards this incident, Instead of approaching this conflict with a gentle question or a kind inquiry, I spoke many harsh words at him. 
And uh, it stirred up some anger between us. And I ended up walking off in a huff and went and had a good sulk, as I'm known to do occasionally. And Tim became very defensive about the reasons as to why it was a good idea to wash up in a very tiny pineapple tin. But luckily enough, a couple of hours later, we came to our senses and we uh, managed to resolve this conflict. The funny thing is, just last week, I had another little problem about how Tim washed the dishes as well. This time, he had a sink and just filled it to the top with water. And then here he is just like splashing all the dishes, the floor's getting, you know, sutty and soapy, the kids are slipping over. I'm like, what on earth is he doing this time? Um, but because we've had been married nine years now, I approach that with hopefully a better, uh, more wise response. But when it comes to conflict situations, when we find ourselves disagreeing with people, it might be kind of trivial things like that, or it might go much, much deeper. How is it that you respond? What is your most likely response to conflict? Because I think there's probably two elements that are primarily, primarily impact the way we respond and deal with conflict. The first is our personality. Our personality will affect how we deal with conflict greatly. You know, different re personalities respond in different ways. Some people embrace conflict. Some others just run away from it. They don't want anything to do with it. And still others, there's, there's others, I don't understand these people, they're like excited to engage in conflict. It just kind of works really well with their personality. And secondly, I believe that the environment that you grew up in can actually have a massive impact on how you deal with conflict as well. I just sounded like a New Zealander there. Um, I pointed at you, are you from New Zealand? Yes. Um, <laughs> good. So if you grew up in an environment where every time someone was in conflict, they went off in a half and had a good sulk, you may think that is how you deal with conflict. Or if you grew up in an environment where someone became verbally abusive when they disagreed with someone, you may grow up, grow up thinking that this is the only way conflict can be resolved. Or on the flip side, you may have been on the receiving end of some verbal abuse and you actually revert to avoiding conflict because you don't want to ever be treated like that again. And obviously there are many other things that impact how we deal with conflict. And over time, the way that we deal with conflict may change, even depending on the situation. But I think that we probably can all relate to this idea of a default response. You know, how is it that I'm most likely to respond to conflict? And it's not if I'm thinking about, you know, what's the healthiest uh, approach in this situation? Because let's face it, when we're when we're in a situation where we disagree with someone and we become enraged over how someone has treated us or how someone has hurt us, we're not always thinking clearly and our default response is probably the one that we end up living out. And I just want to share with you a few brief examples uh, to help you identify maybe how it is that you deal with conflict. Because if we can identify the unhealthy ways that we deal with conflict, I reckon it's a massive step in learning how to deal with conflict in a better and a more healthy way. 
Now, as some of you know, uh, Tim and I have just returned from living uh, in the US and we've been uh, working with a variety of young people and particularly we had some girls living with us who uh, dealt with conflict in a pretty impressive way. Let me tell you, I saw some pretty uh, big conflict situations happen. But uh, over the time we were there, there were four particular different styles of uh, how people dealt with conflict that I just want to share with you because it might just kind of spark something in you that goes, oh, actually, that's how I deal with conflict or that's how I know such and such deals with conflict. So firstly, and I've termed them, and uh, let me tell you, I have termed them, these are Lauren's terms, they're not like psychological terms for how you deal with conflict, so don't quote them anywhere. Unless you're quoting me, then quote it, that's fine. Uh, but they're not like serious ones or anything, I just made them up. So firstly, there's the line in the sand response. And so every time this one girl disagreed with someone, she just plain out refused to talk to them. Again, sometimes ever. She hadn't talked to her mum for three years. And she just said, that's it. This relationship's completely over. And she opened up to me once and she said, Lauren, I absolutely hate it when you and Tim disagree because I think that that's it. Your relationship's over. I just don't think you're going to ever be able to work it out because growing up, if we disagreed with, disagreed with someone, that the relationship was, was over. And that was a really sad way of how she dealt with conflict. The second uh, one that I saw was the tantrum thrower. Now, this girl was uh, watching TV one night, bedtime came, and we asked her to turn off the TV, and we did this every night. So it wasn't something that we just did as a once-off. She knew the routine. She knew the, the TV went off at a particular time. But this one night, she refused. And uh, we entered into a standoff with her. And after a couple of hours of this standoff, it resulted in us disconnecting the TV from its power source. We took the cord with us to our bedroom and we just went to bed and closed the door, tried to tune out. And what she started doing was, she started jumping round the house like a kangaroo. I don't know if it was like trying to insult us because we're Australians and she wanted to like, I don't know, make us feel at home with the kangaroo thing. But she literally, for, for like an hour, jumped around our house and we had like floorboards so you could hear everything uh, like a kangaroo. And then she uh, took the sound bar from the TV, put it in her room and blared music uh, loud until the early hours of the morning. And the next day, uh, we didn't have a great night's sleep that night, but we... We really wanted to address this conflict with her. We really wanted to try and come to a resolution because we knew that we would have to you know, hang out with her and have her living with us. And it actually escalated to beyond uh, an involvement that we could have and she was actually removed from the program because of that behaviour and some other behaviour. And I didn't get to know her at great lengths, but I suspect she grew up in an environment where if someone didn't get their way, a tantrum was thrown. Next, there was the avoider, and this girl was much more reserved. She didn't uh, kind of blare conflict like the other girls did, and she would just constantly avoid any situation where she would have to disagree with someone, and she would lie. She told great lies about things just to avoid a confrontation with someone, and she said that growing up, she was never encouraged to address conflict with people. She was just told to avoid it, so no one got hurt. And then lastly, there's the bypasser, or who I like to term the bypasser. And this girl just sat on her computer a lot. And she would rarely ever tell anyone to their face the issue she had with them, but she would take to Twitter. She would take to Instagram and Snapchat 
and belittle people she disagreed with and tell the rest of the world about it in the meantime. She was very articulate. She wasn't afraid to speak her mind in uh, some areas, but she rarely did it face to face with the person that was actually involved. And I think actually this one is a, an area where a lot of us get stuck in this trap with social media because it's become so easy to disagree with people and tear them down with our words. And we don't actually have to sit across for them and see how they respond to maybe the hurtful, judgmental things that we're saying. But I use these four examples to help you think about how it is that you respond to conflict and how it might be impacted by your personality and maybe the environment that you grew up in. You know, it may have taught you how to deal with conflict in a certain way or it may have taught you how you don't wanna deal with conflict. But it also shows us that we interact with conflict in a variety of ways. And in a lot of these ways, in most of these ways, especially the ones I talked about, this conflict is not resolved and relationships and people are destroyed in the process. And I believe if we continue to have these unresolved conflicts and broken relationships, no, I believe we have them because we don't know how to deal with conflict well. Our culture certainly does not encourage us to deal with conflict in a healthy way. So instead of doing the hard work to deal with conflict, because it's hard, it's not an easy thing to do, we just revert to our default response, which most of the time is not productive, is not really that helpful, and is not restorative to our relationships. And if you haven't already, you'll find yourself in conflict situations where you and a person or a group of people, maybe a best friend, a colleague, a brother or sister, a husband or wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, or maybe sometimes even your entire family, disagree on an issue. And this conflict, conflict in itself is not wrong. Conflict is really, really normal and it can be really healthy. God has created us all differently and we're going to see things from a different perspective. We're going to respond in a variety of different ways. But if we don't learn to deal with conflict well, as this proverb reminds us, it can cause a lifetime of divisions between family and friends and can cause hurt that can go really, really deep. And my prayer and my hope is that tonight as we open up God's Word and look at what it has to say about conflict, we will be challenged in our approach on how to deal with conflict. And we will feel just a little bit more equipped to resolve conflict in the hope of restoring our relationships. Because if we can learn to resolve conflict, relationships have the chance to be restored. It's not a guarantee, but they have the chance to be restored. And we're going to open up our Bibles tonight to the book of James. So if you've got your Bibles there, we're going to turn to the book of James. It's just after Hebrews. It's also going to come up on the screen. And uh, most theologians believe that the writer of the book of James was James, the brother of Jesus, which on a side note, I think is particularly interesting that he's addressing this idea of conflict, because I don't know about you, but my kids, the uh, conflict that goes on between my kids is horrendous. I mean, they're fighting over some pretty important stuff at the ages of six, four, and one, and I feel like my entire job sometimes is just their personal mediator. This morning, the conflict, which revolted at a head-on standoff of screaming from the four-year-old and the six-year-old, was because they both wanted the one piece of Lego. 
You know, this is over some pretty important stuff. But I think, I just imagine James here, you know, maybe he's writing about this dealing with conflict as he's reflecting on how he interacted with Jesus, uh, his brother, who didn't do anything wrong, and maybe how he interacted with his other siblings, who obviously were very, very human. I don't know this for sure. I just find it fascinating to think about that. It's pure speculation, so don't quote me that this is uh, biblical. I just made, like, I'm just thinking. Uh, but we're going to move on to something that is in the Bible, uh, which is, you can then quote the Bible on this next, next part. But James is writing this epistle to the Jewish Christians, and they're scattered throughout the nation, but they're living in this time of turmoil, of violence, and injustice. And James is encouraging them to, to stay focused on doing good, on pursuing holiness, and on seeking the wisdom of God rather than the wisdom of the world, which I think is key for us as we seek this wisdom of God about living in our circumstances right now. I'm sure we've got turmoil and violence and injustice going on around us rather than having the wisdom of the world. And in chapter four, we're gonna look at James 4, one to three, we find this nugget of gold relating to conflict. And I'm going to read through it bit by bit and uh, talk about it. So the first part starts off, verse 1, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? And I don't know how many times I ask my kids this question. I'm like, what on earth is it that is causing you to fight? It's not just with my kids. I constantly find myself saying with Tim, why is it that we always butt heads on this issue? And maybe it's when you get your family together and you're like, why is it that every time we get together as a family, someone always walks in a, off, of, off in a half and someone always disagrees with someone else? What is it that causes these fights and quarrels among us? And James goes on. James goes on and gives us an answer, which is pretty cool. Says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And this is where I instantly get stopped in my tracks. Because when I disagree with someone, when I fight with someone, I think, well, it's because they don't understand me. I'm not the problem, they're the problem. You know, we're in conflict because they just don't understand what I'm going through. They said they would do this. They said they, they promised to me that they would love me. He or she said that they would never hurt me, but look at what they've done. But James is saying, hang on, this isn't just about them. James reminds us that these fights and quarrels happen because of the desires that battle within you and the desires that battle within me. How many times when you're in a conflict with another person do you just automatically pass all the blame onto the other person? You know, the way that they're treating me is just so unfair. What they did to me is just wrong. You wouldn't believe what he said or she said. And while all of that may in fact actually be true, what they did was wrong and what they did was unfair, James reminds us that it's not just all about them. It actually has to do with me as well. And do you know what happens when you go from passing all the blame onto someone else and you actually start to realise that I might have a part to play in this situation as well? You might have a part to play 
And it might be, you know, if you think about it like a pie graph and you think about how much of it is them and how much of it is you, it might be that it's half and half. Usually when it comes to conflict, we think, you know, it's all them and I've got nothing, I'm clean. But the reality is if you're involved, you at least have a slice, even if it's a tiny part. And it's a part that you're responsible for. And as you start to accept your part, the temperature in the situation actually goes down a little bit. Because instead of all the blame being passed off to someone else, all that anger, all that frustration that you have, you start to realise that I actually have a part to play in this as well. It's not just about them, it's about me as well. And verse 2 goes on to say this. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. James says, you desire, but you do not have. So I quarrel and I fight because I'm not getting what I want. And because I'm not getting what I want, I kill. And it's not necessarily that we physically kill, that would be pretty extreme, but we can bring death to relationships. We can use words and actions that destroy something inside of another person. Sometimes there are things that we want so badly that we are prepared to hurt the people we care about the most in the process of trying to get them. Some of us have seen parents kill their relationship with their kids because the kids wouldn't do what the parents wanted. Some of you may have left home because you couldn't stand to live with your parents, but behind it all, there is something you wanted them to do that they wouldn't do, and there is something they wanted you to do that you wouldn't do. Some of you don't talk to people who used to be your best friends because there is something you wanted from them that you didn't get. And you've probably never articulated it like this, but James gives us this incredible insight into what it is that causes these fights and quarrels among us. Sometimes we want something from a person so badly that we have the potential to destroy them in our desire to get what we want. And why is it that the conflict we have is mostly with those who are closest or who were closest to us? And I think it's because we want, we need, we expect something from them. You know, if I'm walking down the street and I walk past a stranger and I say hi to the stranger and the stranger does not say hello back to me, I'm not going to go up to them and say, why is it that you didn't say hello to me? You should have been nice to me. I'm a stranger and I went out of my way to say hello to you. That would just be plain awkward. You would walk away very quickly if I'd come up to you and did that because I have no relationship with you as a stranger. I have no expectation on you. The fact that you didn't say hello to me doesn't really matter to me. But if I'm walking down the street and I pass my husband, Tim, walking past me and I say hello to Tim and he ignores me, it makes sense for me to kind of walk back a little bit and go, what on earth are you doing? Why are you not talking to me? Why are you not saying hello to me? Because I've got a relationship with him and because of that, I have expectations on him. I expect that he will talk to me. I expect he will say hello to me. I expect him. I mean, we entered in a marriage contract. I expect he's going to love me. And I want, and I hope that's not too much to ask, but uh, I want him to say hello to me. I want him to treat me nicely. 
And in this moment, I have not got what I wanted or what I was expecting. And in the heat of the moment of being treated like this, treated what I think is unfairly because I haven't got what I wanted, I am probably going to jump to my default response and say, what on earth are you doing? Why are you talking to me? Why don't you? And I'll probably jump to this extreme conclusion. Why is it that you don't love me? I will respond with a harsh word that will stir up anger between us rather than responding with a gentle answer that could lead to restoring this relationship in this moment. So what if, in the middle of a conflict with someone, you can stop and instead of saying, you know what the problem is here? You're being disrespectful, you're being rude, you're being mean and I don't like it. What if instead you said, you know what the problem is here? I'm not getting what I want. I just want to feel respected. I just want to feel like I've got value. You know, if you have the insight and the ability to do this, it can be a game changer. The reality of thinking this clearly in a conflict situation when you're enraged and angered and possibly very, very hurt might make this seem a little bit far-fetched. But I believe that if you begin to change your thinking around conflict and instead of resorting to your default response to conflict, whether it be shouting abuse to another person, avoiding a situation, not budging on your position because you want to be right and you think you're right, or whether it is that you run away and you spend time stewing over how the other person has wronged you, what if instead you paused in that moment and you asked yourself the question, What am I not getting in this situation that I need or I want? Because the heat and the rage of this conflict will begin to lower immediately. And you wouldn't believe it, but this week, Tim and I haven't had conflict in a long, not not in a long time, but in a significantly long time for us to go without having conflict. This week, of course, the week I'm preaching on conflict, we had this disagreement over something that was very trivial. Now that I'm out of that situation, it's very trivial. But it was very real in that moment. And in the heat and rage of that, I was about to burst, I kind of burst my top, if you kind of haven't noticed, uh, burst my top and tell him what I thought. I actually paused. And I thought, oh, dang it, I'm preaching on conflict. I should know how to do this. And I actually took some time out. I walked away and I asked myself this question. And I said, what is it in this situation that I want that I'm not getting right now? And I actually was able to approach this situation very differently uh, because I considered this. So it is possible. And James goes on and offers us even more insight. And he goes on to say, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. This is powerful. You don't have what you want because you haven't asked God. Before you go raging into that room, before you send that email or reply to that comment, before you pick up the phone to make that phone call, before you walk off in a huff, has it occurred to you to get on your knees and say, God, 
I am really, really upset right now. God, I'm really, really hurt. God, I'm really, really angry. But all I really want from this situation, all I really want is for my family to accept me the way that I am. God, all I really want is for my husband to stop undermining me. God, all I want is my friends to accept the decisions that I've made. God, all I want is for my son or my daughter to come to know you. God, all I want is for them to make me a priority. And maybe you have prayed about it before. Maybe you've gone to God with this situation before and you've said, God, change them. God, work in them. God, remove this situation so I don't have to deal with it anymore. But maybe what you're doing is actually trying to squeeze something out of the person that you're in conflict with that doesn't, they don't actually have it in them to give you at that time. Maybe part of what I actually want from you, you don't actually have the capacity to give me. So if we go to God and we ask God for what it is that we need, we actually allow God to grapple with us at that level of what it is that we want. God, I just want to know that I am loved. God, I just want to know that my choices are acceptable. God, I just want to know that someone cares. And after grappling with God, you may realise that the person you are so mad with, the person that you're at war with, the person that you just can't stop fighting with, might not be able to give you what you want in its entirety. And God might actually want to change something in you. God might want to do a work in you. God might want to reveal to you a new truth about your identity. God might want to convict you of a sin that is in your life or a habit that is unhealthy. God might just want to remind you that he loves you. And although your, your relationships on earth falter and can cause great hurt and pain, your relationship with him is one that will never waver. And he may just say to you, I see you, I know you, and I'm here for you. And then after this interaction with God, after spending time bringing your wants to God and your desires to Him and letting Him do a work in you, you might just actually be able to start a conversation with the person that you're in conflict with at a different place than what you might have otherwise. And there is no guarantee Absolutely no guarantee how the other person will respond. That is completely out of our control. But you can know that you are doing what you can to try and restore that relationship. You see, dealing with conflict is not easy. It is often very, very uncomfortable. And I think that's why we shy away from it. I mean, who wants to put themselves in a really uncomfortable position? You know, As kids, when you go to the doctor and you get an injection, you don't want to get it because you know that it's going to cause pain in that moment that you're getting it. But as a child, what you can't understand is that that pain for a moment is actually trying to eliminate a whole greater, much deeper pain that you would experience potentially if you didn't have this little bit of pain now. And I think sometimes that's what we do in conflict. We want to avoid having this uncomfortable feeling now, but actually what we're doing is we're actually going to have a really uncomfortable situation for a much longer period of time. You know, some of our closest relationships can be destroyed for a long time or even a lifetime 
just because we're not willing to experience some pain and discomfort in the short term by trying to address our conflict. So tonight, I just wanna ask you a couple of questions. Who are you at conflict with at the moment? Who are you in conflict with at the moment? And what is it that you want or need that you are not getting? Have you asked God for that thing? And I don't mean, have you talked to God and said, you know, God, can you just remove this? I don't wanna have to deal with this. You know, God, can you just do a work in them? Have you got on your knees and say, God, this is all I really want. And then once you've spent time answering those questions and grappling with God about it and letting God do a work in you, which probably wouldn't happen if you didn't come to God on your knees and say, God, I need this or I want this. Who is it, after doing all these things, do you need to have a conversation with? Because I believe that you'll probably be at a different place and be able to not speak harsh words and as a result, stir up anger, but you'll be able to speak words from your heart. You will be able to speak a kinder word so as to give restoring that relationship a chance. And just before these verses that we've read tonight in James, James actually writes and gives a really cool picture about a community that deals with conflict well. And he says in James uh, chapter 3, 17 and 18, it then rolls straight into what we've just read. And I'm going to read this from the message. It says this. It says, Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterised by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honour. And I don't know about you tonight, but that's the kind of community that I wanna be a part of. I wanna be a part of a healthy, robust community that lives right with God. And you know, know what he says that we need to do to live in a community like this? He says, we need to do the hard work of getting along. This conflict thing, this getting along thing is really not that easy. I wish it was, but it's not. It can actually be really, really hard. But I don't believe it's as hard as living our lives with broken relationships where we're just constantly butting heads with people, constantly at odds with people. And I don't know what each of you are going through. I don't know the depths of the conflicts that you are experiencing right now. I don't know the broken relationships or how achievable what I've talked about tonight actually seems to you. But I do know people have broken relationships with family members and friends because of horrific conflicts that have occurred in their lives. And for one moment, I don't actually think that this simple idea will just change that in an instance because there is no guarantee on how the other person will respond. Some of these issues have layers and layers of complexities, but what I do know is that when we start to be honest with ourselves about the part that we play in conflict and when we go to God with an open heart for Him to do a work in us that we can't do by ourselves, God, 
The same God that raised Jesus from the dead is capable of doing more than we could ever imagine. And tonight, I reckon there are some people here who are in the midst of a conflict situation at the moment. And it might be one that's been going on, you know, maybe for a couple of days. It might be that you're actually in the midst of a conflict situation and it's been going on for months or even years. And you've just been trying to find a way through, trying to find a light at the end of the tunnel of this conflict. And I believe that tonight, God actually wants to do something in you to help you navigate a way forward. I believe that God might wanna just whisper a word of encouragement to you. Maybe speak a particular truth to your heart that will change your perspective on the situation. And I believe God wants to equip some of you with the courage and the words to have a conversation with someone. And if any of that speaks to you tonight, I wanna give you the opportunity to respond and to come and to be on your knees in front of God and say, God, I need you. This is what I need. This is what I want. God, do a work in me. So we're gonna stand, we're gonna sing a song. And if that is you tonight, if you are looking for a way forward in a conflict situation right now, I wanna invite you to come down the front and The pastoral team is here and they're gonna gather around you. But if you see someone come down and you're in their life group or their life group leader or a friend of them, I wanna encourage you to come down and to pray for them. And I really want those who are praying tonight to just listen to what it is that God might wanna say to this person. Do they wanna speak just a truth? Does God just wanna speak a truth to their heart about their identity? Listen to what it is that God might wanna say through you tonight to that person who's responding. I'm gonna pray. Uh, Why don't we stand together? We're gonna stand, I'm gonna pray, uh, and then we're gonna respond. Loving Father, I thank You so much just for this nugget of gold in the book of James. Thank You so much that Your Word to us is so relevant to our lives. God, Your wisdom is just so good. And God, as we deal with this idea of conflict tonight, God, I know there are many people here tonight who have conflict situations going on in their lives. And God, I just ask that tonight as we come before You and we bring our situations to You, God, maybe for the hundredth time, God, that You would open our hearts to hear what it is You wanna say to us. And God, what You might wanna do in our hearts tonight. God, I pray for a real clear way forward for people who are looking for that light at the end of the tunnel. I pray for courage for people who need to have a conversation with someone. And God, I just pray for a revelation of Your love and Your goodness to those people who need to be reminded of that tonight. Thank You, God, that You are a good God. Thank You that You are with us and You will never leave us. And tonight I pray that we would be open to what it is you wanna say and do in our hearts and lives tonight. I thank you, Jesus, for this time and this moment, this sacred moment. And I ask that you, we would open our hearts to you, Jesus. Amen. So come down, uh, if, that, if that speaks to you tonight and people are gonna gather around you and pray as we sing. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ or would like us to pray for you, please go to gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know.